15 feet of rope, a step stool, and enough cyanide to kill a rhinoceros. It was a pretty good weekend for old Nick Bradley. Um, Michigan goes to Iowa hostile territory. Top five teams go there to die. Not this top five team. Michigan gets it done. Wasn't even that close. Like Iowa, I don't know if you put traffic cones defensively against the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm not sure they'd score a point. Michigan State embarrassed yet again. Although this time it was a little bit slightly competitive. We're like everybody still gets orange slices after the game. Level of competitiveness. Um, still lost. Defense still got torched. Uh, secondary made zero improvements. Scotty Hazelton, Mel Tucker still talking about death by inches. We're two and three. Let's keep chopping. Let's fix the inches. And then the Lions get the doors blown off by Geno fucking Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. 15 feet of rope, step stool, and enough cyanide to kill a rhinoceros. Pretty good weekend for me. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Detroiter. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. We're covering sports in the Motor City and the Mitten State. Thanks for coming in today. Um, it's This is getting tougher and tougher as the weeks go by, isn't it? This kind of started off all summer long. It was kind of fun in games, right? We're talking about, oh, these guys might be decent this year. We're getting pumped. Michigan's going to have a good team. MSU, we thought, would have a decent team. Like, think about that. We went from, I think, MSU will have a good team to, I thought, decent. From I think good, I thought decent, not great. Um, the Lions maybe the most frustrating of them all. I mean, if you're a Michigan fan, you shouldn't be frustrated about anything. They won that game pretty cleanly at Iowa. There was never really any moment where you kind of felt the tide turning, never any moment where it felt a little sticky, felt a little sweaty, not in the good way, not in the porta potty behind the Wendy's at 2 a.m. on a Friday night type of way. Um Michigan kind of cruise controlled, right? They didn't light it up necessarily either, but Iowa's got a great defense. I think they're ranked one or they were ranked one. I know they're ranked super highly. Michigan kind of cruised along. Again, didn't put up an insane number of points. The offense, it's not like they scored every time they touched the ball without opposition. The Iowa defense gave a little fight. They wanted to be there, right? They were, I mean, they weren't totally up to the test, but they were far more up to the test than the defense was. And in the end, it's exactly what I thought would happen. It's what I said last week on the pod. At some point, as great as your defense is, I watched this happen for two consecutive years, up close and personal at Michigan State. You can have the best defense in the world. If your offense is a three and out every single time they get the ball and everybody knows it, your fans know it, their fans know it, your coaches know it, their coaches know it, your players know it. Their players know it. Your own fucking quarterback. Spencer Petrus is going out there like, it'd be cool to pick up a first down this time. He knows that they stink. He knows they're not going to do shit. Junior Colson's out there like, <laughs> this guy, he's looking at Coach Arba like, Coach, we had the practice on Friday to play this dude? We could have gone to the movies. We could have done anything, Coach. We had the practice to face this ninth-year Spencer Petrus has never singularly once improved with an Iowa offense that has also never improved bum-ass scoring offense. We had the practice for these guys. I mean, that's what it was. Iowa, you can have the best defense in the world. You can have the best players in the world. You can do everything you need to do according to the game plan. Attack every single one of J.J. McCarthy and Jim Harbaugh's weaknesses. If your offense is three and out every single time they touch the goddamn ball, it doesn't really matter what your defense is ranked. At some point, they're going to give out because unless they happen to be playing the second worst offense in America, 
at some point your defense is going to give out. They're going to get a couple points scored on them. And once that other team hits, what, like 14, that's the game. That's all. That's all you needed. They, you, that's it. I think Iowa scored one more in garbage time to get to 17. But the 14 points, I also predicted that last week. I said, I think if Michigan, I think they will struggle a little bit offensively. It's not going to just be a light it up, air it out, no problems in the world type offensive display. And they did. I think they performed pretty well offensively, all things considered. But it wasn't high flying. Let's put up a 1,000 on these guys. I said, I think if Michigan gets to like, 14, God forbid they get to 17. I just don't see a world in which Iowa scores that many points and they would have won the game. Iowa scored their last touchdown when the game was totally over and nobody gave a fuck, but that 14 points would have gotten the job done. Like at some point, if you're a big boy team and you're playing in the big 10, you're playing teams like Michigan. If you can't score any fucking points, it doesn't matter what your defense is ranked, what your special teams is ranked, how many people are at the stadium. None of that shit matters. If you can't score any fucking points, you can't pick up first downs. You can't get across the 50 every once in a blue moon. You're going to get boat raced when you play good teams. Their only hope in winning that game was that J.J. McCarthy comes in, tries to play a little too much hero ball, throws a couple picks, maybe they get lucky, Michigan fumbles a few times. That Iowa, that was their only chance, is that Michigan fumbles at their own 20. And guess what? You only need to pick up one first down, Spencer Petrus. Can you do that? Probably not, but it's a lot easier than eight first downs. That was Iowa's only hope. They didn't get those turnovers. The offense didn't snap out of whatever it is that they're in, the lifelong coma that they've had since Kirk Ferentz got there, and they lost the fucking game. They lost at home. Top five teams go there to die. Not Michigan, not in 2022. So big win for Michigan. Big win. Their first like real, real test, right? The Maryland game the week before was a little close. Taulia Tagovailoa, we talked about him. State fans, we got a good look at him this week. Obviously, we've played him last year and shit, but you got a good look at him this week. Like pretty frisky quarterback can make plays. Doesn't matter. Similar type guy where doesn't matter how good your offense is. Doesn't matter or I mean, doesn't matter how good your offense is, doesn't matter what the spread is, doesn't matter how much you're supposed to beat Maryland by. As long as they got Talia Tagovailoa and then they got a couple NFL guys on the outside, they'll be in it. They'll make it interesting. They're going to score some points for sure. They're going to score some points for sure. You'll stop them for sure. He'll make some mistakes for sure, but they're going to score some points. Can you score more? That's what it comes down to. Iowa couldn't be more the opposite. They've got the stout defense. They're going to make it tougher for you to score points, but they're not going to put any pressure on. They're not going to get you your offense thinking, fuck, we got to score every time we get the football. It's like the dead opposite of what's going on with Michigan State. MSU right now, every time the offense gets the ball, I would imagine Peyton Thorne, the offensive line, Jay Johnson calling the plays. Everybody's kind of of the feeling we have to score every single time we get the ball. Adding that pressure does not help things, especially when it's an offense that is already struggling, especially when it's an offense that put up 13, 14, something like that this week. Didn't put up shit last week. Didn't put up shit, really, until garbage time against Washington. And then you get the mindset of we need to score every single time we get it. That's a recipe for failure. Michigan never really was faced with that, and they won the game. Um, Michigan, yeah, like you have to feel great if you're a Michigan fan. You have to feel fucking great because you just faced one of your bigger tests. You know you're going to get Michigan State. You know you're going to get Ohio State. And you know you're going to get Penn State every single year. You have to win those other games. 
you have to win the cross the cross games, east west games, when you have to travel to an Iowa. And yeah, it's not Ohio State. Yeah, it's not Penn State. It's not even Michigan State as bad as we are this year. But you're going to a fairly tough place to play. Iowa, they'll win eight, nine games a lot of years. They have the stout defenses. They've won big games before. Like, you got to win those games if you're Michigan and you want to do what you want to do. You know that you're going to have a slugfest when Penn State comes to Ann Arbor in a couple weeks. You know it's going to be a battle to the death no matter how bad Michigan State is on Halloween. You know it's going to be a dogfight on Thanksgiving weekend when you have to travel to Columbus. Those are all givens. You need to take care of everything in between. And that's their big test as far as I see it. I mean, yeah, you got Indiana on the road, but you should win that game. Rutgers on the road. You should win that game. Nebraska, Illinois, all these other games. It's like anything can happen, no doubt. The Big Ten is a little bit of the survive and advance vibes. You felt that against Maryland the week before where you start to get a little nervous and it's like, all right, let's just win the fucking game. I don't care what the score is. I don't care if we beat the spread. Let's just win. You've escaped, I think, the biggest quote-unquote trap game on your schedule. You went into Iowa City. You got the win. You got out. Nobody got hurt that I know of. No close calls. There was no last-minute field goal to knock you off. And now you're going to go to Indiana and play a bad Indiana team, probably destroy them, and then you got Penn State at the big house, and you really find out what this Michigan team's about. Michigan looks good. There is no denying that. Michigan deserves to be ranked in the top four as they are, as I'm sure – They'll probably stay at four. I know Georgia struggled, but the SEC bias is real. I mean, Alabama struggled. They didn't move down. So Michigan will probably stay at four, but they deserve to be there. They've taken care of business. They've smoked the bad teams. They've beaten the frisky teams, Talia and the Terps, Iowa with the defense. And now you play Indiana, and then it's a bit of a gauntlet. Penn State, number 10. Penn State, who I think is better than a lot of people, including myself, thought they would be this year. They come to Ann Arbor. They, I'm sure, want revenge. That Penn State-Michigan game always feels like a big one, and I'm sure it will be once again. It sucks that it's at noon, but I'm sure it will be once again. Following Penn State weekend, Michigan gets the bye, which is big. Nice time for the bye. Is that, what, week six, week seven they'll get that bye? Right in the middle of the season. That's a beautiful time for the Wolverines. And then off the bye, you got Michigan State in Ann Arbor. A couple more layups with Rutgers, Nebraska, Illinois. And then you close it out with Ohio State. So, This was like the first leg for Michigan, the first of three legs where you're going to get tested. Iowa on the road, and then in a couple weeks, you get Penn State, Michigan State, back-to-back, even though there is that bye week in there. And then the third leg, Ohio State and Columbus. Those are the three big obstacles if Michigan wants to repeat as Big Ten champs. Michigan wants to go back to the college football playoff. Those are the three big obstacles. Iowa out of the way. So you have to feel good. I thought JJ played pretty well. Um, This is the first Michigan game I've watched start to finish this year. I've watched, I mean, the first three, it's like, I'll turn it on for the first quarter and then it's 21 zip and I'm going, all right, I'm going to watch somebody else play. Uh, Maryland last week, I watched, I want it like the second half, most of the second half I watched, but this Iowa game was the first Michigan game this season. I've watched start to finish the full game. I thought Michigan looked good to be totally honest. Again, I said it the last couple weeks talking about Michigan's defense. Like the first three weeks when you're playing UConn, Colorado State, Hawaii, it's hard to sit there and go, yeah, you know, this defense really is elite because you're locking up fucking garbage pale teams. It's hard to sit there and go, wow, this is an elite group. 
when you're locking up Hawaii. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to put the stamp on that. But then Maryland comes into town, pretty good offense. They Michigan gave up 27. They got a couple of crucial turnovers. They got some stops. They looked much better than Michigan State's defense did against Maryland. You have that to hang your hat on, although it's not much. World's worst fucking coat hanger, if that's what you're hanging your hat on or hat hanger, whatever. They beat Maryland. Didn't look overly impressive in that, right? Like won the game. But again, Talia was moving the ball. Maryland scored. And if it wasn't for a couple idiot throws by Talia Tagovailoa, which he's good for, that's part of the deal with him. He's going to make some sick plays. But he's also going to make some throws that make you want to peel your eyes out with a potato grater. Um, they gave up some points. And then Iowa this week, I know one of their touchdowns was garbage, 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 garbage time. But even giving up that first touchdown to Iowa, it's like, eh, all right. Um, they did play well. They did play well. Giving up 14 to anybody, that's a good week for your defense. I don't care who you are and I don't care who, you, who you're playing. But still a little similar to those first three weeks where it's like, eh, you kept Iowa to 14. Kept the worst offense in America to 14. I don't like, I'm not, you know, I can't get on here and toot your horn for you for that. I can't come on here and talk about how upgraded and how elite, how equipped to stop Ohio state, the defense is because you gave up 14 to Iowa. That's not the check mark on. Yeah. These guys are actually good. I do believe Michigan's offense is for real good. I do believe that they'll move the ball on anybody they play in the country. Obviously some teams will be harder to move the ball on than others. But I do believe they could play Alabama. They could play Georgia. They could play whoever. I do believe they're capable of picking up first downs, flipping the field, holding on to the ball for a little bit of time of possession, and ultimately scoring some points. They're not going to light up Georgia. They're not going to light up Alabama. Probably won't light up Penn State, Ohio State. They'll, I mean, not lighting up Michigan State would be quite funny. Uh, it's hard for me to say that they won't. But these big schools, they probably won't light them up, but they'll move the ball on them. They'll score some points. I just defensively, I think, is the one question for Michigan. Because the reason, you think about it, the reason Michigan won that game last season against the Ohio State Buckeyes was because of Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo, and then everybody else on that defense. Primarily, Hutchinson and Ojabo just menacing C.J. Stroud for four quarters. In his face, every single plays for the entire game. That's why they won the game. You couple that with Hassan Haskins and Michigan's offensive line just physically dominating the line of scrimmage, and there you go. It was a pretty comfortable victory for the Wolverines. I don't know if this defense has the same success as Michigan's defense did last season. You don't have, at least from what I've seen, Mike Morris had two sacks on that last drive, which great. Um, Spencer Petras, again, for the thousandth time is horrible. Iowa's offense for the thousandth time is fucking horrible. That's not going to be the same way Ohio State looks. I promise you that. That won't be the same way Indiana looks. That won't be the same way Penn State looks. That won't even be the same way the Michigan State Spartans, those fucking losers, us fucking losers look. So, eh, 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 eh. I don't know if you have that same pass rush with Ojabo and Hutchinson. I don't know if you have that same fire on the defensive front this year. I know they're great internally with Mozzie Smith stopping the run. I don't know if you have those guys that are going to get after C.J. Stroud like they did last year. But that said, but the run game still is churning offensively, which is how they beat Michigan or Ohio State with offense. Hassan Haskins over and over and over again. Blake Corum is more than capable of replacing Hassan Haskins. That guy's a fucking stud. 
The offensive line looks great. And you upgraded at the QB spot. JJ is better. He brings more to the table than Cade McNamara does. That's just a fact. Although JJ will, I think he forced a couple against Iowa. He got lucky. I remember I was tweeting about it. In the first half, there were like three throws, I remember, where it was like, that's just a bad throw from JJ. There was one, I think Roman Wilson was just wide on a deep ball, overthrew him by like five yards. It would have been a touchdown. Another Ronnie Bell probably walks in, threw it way behind him. Was supposed to be a back shoulder, threw, still threw it behind him incomplete. And then another down in the red zone. He tried to force one into Luke Schoonmaker. There were like three dudes around him. Probably should have been intercepted. JJ was pretty lucky that he wasn't. So while he does bring more to the table and the upside of Michigan's offense and their team as a whole is way higher with JJ playing QB, I do still think there are the growing pains. Maybe they get all worked out by Ohio State, but I do still think there's the error or the not the error, but the aspect of JJ's game where A, he's young in this, he's inexperienced in this. B, he knows he's the fucking man. He knows he has a cannon for a right shoulder. And C, he's got the mindset of like, I can make any play on the field. So when he throws that ball to Schoonmaker and it's watching the replay, you're like, dude, what are you doing? That's going to end up costing him. Whether it happens before Ohio State, hopefully that happens like five times against Michigan State, and that's how he learns from it. But that might happen before Ohio State. It will happen, though. He's going to force some of these throws, and they will eventually get intercepted. Can't do it against Penn State. If you're a Michigan fan, you're probably sitting there going, can't do that shit against Michigan State. He's going to do it. He's made a couple throws where it's like, I know you're sweet. And he makes crazy plays too. Don't get me wrong. He made a couple plays against Iowa with his legs and with his arm where you're like, yep, that's why you start and Cade McNamara doesn't. He still gives you both sides. He still makes unbelievable plays that are favorable, that you are like, wow, this kid is a fucking five-star. He does that too, but he will remind you that this is his first year starting. He will remind you that he has a little bit of the, I'm the man, I can do anything on a football field mentality, which I think is a good thing to have. I think quarterbacks, the elite ones all have that. They just learn to hone it in over the years. Like Aaron Rodgers has that. I can make any play, any throw on the field, any given time. I'm sure a lot of Aaron Rodgers' interceptions, especially early on in his career, were due to him just throwing balls where it's like, Aaron, we know you're a freak, but don't do that. It's just a bad decision, buddy. We know your arm is made of rubber, but don't do that. It's a bad decision. So JJ will learn. Those times will come, and he will learn. But all things considered, I think Michigan looks very good. That was a, that was a pretty convincing win. I thought the game would be closer. Again, it wasn't like they steamrolled Iowa or anything like that. I thought it would be a little closer. I thought Iowa would make them sweat a little bit more. But Michigan's defense was up to the task of shutting down the worst offense in America. And Michigan's offense overcame Iowa's defense being their strength. So kudos to Jim Harbaugh. Kudos to uh, J.J. McCarthy. Big kudos to Blake Corum. Again, he was kind of the guy that led the charge offensively. If they can do that, it's another thing. That'll make J.J.'s life way easier. If you can turn around and give it to Blake Corum 25 times a game and it works, J.J.'s life becomes infinite easier, infinitely easier. Everything about J.J.'s job becomes easier if you can churn. And their offensive line has moved everybody that they've played. Blake Corum has been productive against everybody that they've played. Donovan Edwards, everyone that they've played. They've run the ball every single week. I don't see why they won't be able to moving forward. There isn't a defense on their schedule. Iowa was the one where it's like maybe Iowa will be the team that, you know, your strength is the run game. 
Iowa loves stopping the run. Maybe Iowa will be the team to give you some problems offensively. No, Michigan, Michigan operated pretty smoothly. And I don't see another defense on Michigan's schedule that's going to give you major, major problems. I mean, yeah, Penn State's defense is going to have some athletes on it. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to get after you a little bit. They know what Michigan likes to do. They're going to try and take it away. But I still think Michigan's offensive line will still be able to move pieces up front. Michigan State, their defense fucking blows. Our defense fucking blows. And Ohio State, same deal. Yeah, they got athletes. Yeah, they'll have good players on it. Yeah, they're going to know what Michigan wants to do. They know exactly how they lost that game last year, getting pushed around in the trenches. They're going to do everything in their power to stop it. But at the end of the day, they can know what you're doing. They can want to stop it. The question is, can they? And I'm not so sure they'll be able to. So if you're a Michigan fan, good win this week against Iowa. You got to be feeling pretty good. Survive, Survive Indiana, and then it's Penn State at home and we can get the juices fucking flowing for that one. All right, um, let's talk about the bad. Let's talk about what inspired me to go to Menards and buy them out of rope and cyanide. Quick break. We'll talk Michigan State losing to Maryland. We'll talk about the fucking Lions, too. I guess let's start with Michigan State, huh? Stop me if you've heard this before. Michigan State loses. Michigan State loses to Maryland. Michigan State's defense gets absolutely fucking roasted through the air by Talia Tagovailoa. Michigan State's offense cannot do anything once the whistle blows for halftime. Peyton Thorne looks pretty good in the first half. Looks absolutely atrocious in the second half. Um, Scotty Hazelton, Mel Tucker, anybody who has anything to do with the defense didn't do a whole lot. Sure, they were better in the second half. Gave up six points in the second half when they literally couldn't pick up a first down. And Maryland probably felt more comfortable than they have in a football game since 1992. Sure. Sure, the defense was better in the second half when that was the case. Absolutely. Um, they lose to an inferior program, the Maryland Terrapins. Um, just a dejecting feeling surrounding the game. Another game where watching it live in real time as each single play happened, you're just like, God damn it, this sucks. Every single time there was a moment, it's so crazy how similar MSU is to the Lions. Minus the whole the Lions have the best offense in football thing. Because MSU, not only do we have the worst defense, we also somehow have a dog shit offense. Crazy. Um, it's crazy, though, how similar Michigan State is to the Lions and the fact that every single time there's a big play, anytime there's an opportunity for the momentum to shift for the first time all game, the momentum to shift from the other team to either MSU or the Lions, every single time it feels like there's that play that could be the spark to winning this game every single time all season long without fail Michigan State blows it every single time all of the times that there's that one play where it's like all right okay here we go all right big third down stop here let's get off the field and maybe we got something nope huge we need this third down Peyton 
Need to get into the red zone. Need to score his touchdown. Nope. Any single time there's an opportunity for State to get into a game, to take back a little bit of the momentum and make it feel like, all right, all right, this one's going to come down to it. This one's going to be close. MSU's going to be in it till the end. We're going to make these guys work for it. Any single time a play like that comes around, Michigan State just fucks it. Lions are the same way, but we're talking about Michigan State right now. It's just tough to watch, man. It's just tough to watch. Um, I don't know what else to say. Like, I, I think today's going to be one of the shorter, if not the shortest pod I've done since football started. Because at some point, what do you want me to come on here and say? I'm a Michigan State guy. I love Michigan State. Went to school there. Watch them every fucking Saturday as much as I may not want to. I'm still la- – yesterday or Saturday, we're in Huntington Beach. There's an air show. So there's like these F-18 Super Hornets flying around. Badass planes, dude. The sun's shining. It's like 75 planes everywhere. There's people everywhere. It's Saturday. You're day drinking. Everybody's feeling good. The ocean's right there. There's a little bit of a breeze. People are wearing swimsuits. They're in beach get-up. There's young people around. Some nice-looking females. There's dudes partying. We're talking football. Guys on the beach tossing the football. Everybody's having a good time cheering on the planes. And I'm just sitting at our table looking at my phone like this. Just in disgust. Everybody, a plane goes by. A fucking stealth bomber goes by. And people are like, yo, clapping their hands. And I'm sitting at my table alone like this going, God damn it, Peyton Thorne. He's wide open. God damn it, Jaden Reed. You're our guy. You're a leader. You cannot drop three passes in the second half. That was me. Everyone's having the time of their lives. It's like July 4th light. And I'm sitting there fucking asphyxiating myself because for some reason, I'm still watching the Michigan State game on my phone. I don't know what it is. That's just how I am. That's me. It's my life. I just don't know what to say anymore because it's the same things, right? We talked about it. I got a firsthand look at it at Washington. Ripped my heart out of my chest. But you know what? Hey, shit happens. Washington, even though they just lost to UCLA, I think is a good team. Michael Penix is nasty. Shit happens. All right? Fine. We're upset. It sucks that it's the secondary that cost us that game. It sucks that it's the defense that was dog shit in 2021 that cost us our first big game of 22. Yep, that all sucks. But hey, you know what? West Coast road trip. Michael Penix is pretty good. Hard place to play. Okay, fine. It happens. It happens. Then we move to Minnesota. Surely, after being embarrassed on the road in Seattle, thousands of Spartans made that trip. Surely, after being embarrassed on ABC primetime in that game, Michigan State doesn't allow Minnesota to do that to them. Back in East Lansing, coming off that loss with that defensive performance, surely that doesn't happen again. And if Michigan State does somehow lose that game to the Golden Gophers, of course it's because they struggled to score. Or it's back and forth. It's a 27-24 tight, hard-fought Big Ten football game. Of course. Right? That has to be the way that game goes. They host Minnesota. They get beat worse by Minnesota than they did by Washington. The defense looks worse against Minnesota than it did against Washington. They've made no adjustments. They've changed zero personnel. They've done nothing to get better on the defensive side of the ball, or at least it would appear so. At least the results, the productivity, what I saw on the field would show nothing was done to improve. They looked at it. They went, you know what, Scotty, for some reason, I trust you. Even though your plan didn't work all last year in 21 and it just got fucking shredded to pieces by Michael Penix and the Washington Huskies, 
you know what, Scotty, let's try it again against Minnesota. They paid the price. Another embarrassing performance. So at this point, we're two and two. One Big Ten loss, and it's a horrible one at home. People were pissed. People were booing. Not a good loss. Not a competitive game. An embarrassing loss that, like, should never have or should never happen at a place like Michigan State. Never. I mean, it happened against us to Ohio State last year. Just an absolute shit-kicking. And even though it is Ohio State and that game was at the horseshoe, after that game, I was like, that should never, ever, 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 ever fucking happen ever again. And that was Ohio State. That better not fucking happen against Minnesota. That's pathetic. So we're 2-2. Two and two. Two-game losing streak. Both of the good teams we've played. Forget good teams. Both of the real teams we've played have absolutely beat the fuck out of us. One at home, one on the road. Both non-competitive. Both embarrassing performances. Both times the defense makes the same exact mistakes. Now we got one loss in the Big Ten. Yeah, what if we win out? Everything we want still in front of us. That's horseshit. You're going to lose to Ohio State. Now, the Big Ten's beyond reach. Obviously. They're not going to the college football playoff. Maybe make a bowl game and beat Michigan. We have two things left this season. Win six games. See if we can win six, Mel. Hey, Scotty, see if you can play enough defense to win six games, buddy. How's that sign? See if you can win six, go to a bowl game, and see if you can beat Michigan. That's that's where we're at. That's where Michigan State's at. And it's the same horseshit problems that it was against Washington. It's the same horseshit problems that it was against Minnesota. It's the same horseshit coaching, horseshit game planning that occurred in both of those games. It's the same thing that happened against Maryland. Taulia Tagovailoa, 32 for 41, 314 yards and a touchdown. Antoine Littleton, the second, 19 carries for 120 120 yards and a touchdown. Just non-competitive defensively. And there are other guys that had rushing yards. I just don't even feel like listing everybody. So between two guys, that's 434 yards. A couple touchdowns. Then no interceptions, no fumbles. Didn't really get near Talia Tagovailoa all day. Um, yeah, we can roast the secondary all we want. Remember when Jacoby Winman was on the team? Remember when Jacoby Winman, we were like, holy shit, I can't believe Mel Tucker went out and got this guy from UNLV. This dude's a menace. Brandon Jordan, school of pass rushing on display. Von Miller learned his pass rushing skill set from Jacoby Winman. Remember that? I haven't even heard Jacoby Winman since they played Akron. Haven't even sniffed him. Don't even know if he's on the team. Does he travel for road games? Haven't heard a fucking peep about Jacoby Winman in three straight weeks. And forget Jacoby Winman. Lord knows if you're not hearing from him, you're not hearing from a single other guy in that front four. Nobody on this defense. Brandon Jordan might be the greatest to ever do it. Maybe so, if Yvon, if Von Miller's his client. Brandon Jordan, as great as he is, as great as a recruiting tool and all that shit, he's going to be not one guy in this front four comes anywhere near the opposing team's quarterback week in, week out on Saturdays. We don't generate anything even faintly resembling pressure every single week. And yeah, the secondary sucks too. Yeah, Amir Speed, how the fuck did you get on scholarship at Georgia? Yeah, Ronald Williams makes the same exact mistakes every single week, and for some reason, Mel Tucker insists on putting him on the field. One of the reasons I'm very upset with Mel. Yeah, Chester Kimbrough couldn't guard a kid on fucking wheelies. 
rollerblades. I don't know. I don't care. Heelys is probably what I was thinking of. Sure, the secondary blows. The best secondary in the world can't cover guys for 15 seconds. The best secondary on the planet is going to struggle when a quarterback at the level of Talia, Michael Penix, and I guess Tanner Morgan, even though I think he fucking sucks, he was just a product of getting to play Michigan State. A guy with any of their skill levels, apparently, if you let him sit in the pocket all day with nobody, forget sacking him, forget hitting him as he throws, forget making him throw the ball before he wants to, with nobody even making a move, nobody even forcing him to take two steps to the left before he throws the 40-yard fucking post corner. Nobody even making him a little uncomfortable that he might get touched. Never. Any of those three guys. Not one single fucking time. I don't care who you have on the back end. It could be the Legion of Boom. If you never apply any pressure to the opposing quarterback, your secondary is going to get fucking shredded. Plain and simple. And we don't apply pressure. The secondary's taking the brunt of it. Scotty Hazleton's taking the brunt of it, which he should. He should be fired regardless. I don't care what the scheme, talent. I don't give a fuck. I've been saying the talent. Because, again, I don't want this to get lost in translation. I do believe in Mel Tucker. I do believe Michigan State is going to be an elite program. I do believe the years of we win nine games at least every single season will be upon us fairly shortly. Maybe not next year. But I think by 2024, we will be a program, a team, the talent level, the coaching staff we will be at a spot where we're capable of it's either nine wins or more every single year, no exceptions. Like you beat everybody that isn't named Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. Those are the only games that are toss-ups. Everybody else, you win that fucking game. Minnesota, you win the fucking game. Maryland, you win the fucking game. Who do we have? Well, we have Ohio State this week. But the point remains, you get what I'm trying to say. I think by 2024, we still will achieve that. I believe in Mel Tucker. The recruiting's still going swimmingly. I think the recruiting will only get better. I think Mel Tucker, I think he's the type of guy who views his football program from a businessman's mindset, the way he talks about it. He talks about it like a business. He went into Alan Haller's office when he interviewed for this job with a binder, how to win a national championship at Michigan State. He studied under guys like Nick Saban. I do believe Mel Tucker knows what he's doing. I do believe when the time comes, whether it's a few it's a few more games from now or at the end of this season, he will look Scotty Hazleton in the eyes and tell him to get the fuck out of East Lansing and never come back. I do believe that will happen. I do believe Mel Tucker sees the value in the program, sees the potential, and is smart enough and aware enough to go, all right, maybe I'm not a defensive genius. That's okay. But I'm smart enough to know that Scotty Hazleton is not a defensive genius either. As a matter of fact, he's quite bad. So you know what? Let me go out and hire somebody who is. I'll do that. I think Mel Tucker is capable of that. I think that's how Mel Tucker, A, wants to run the program for his tenure, and B, has run it a little bit. Like going out and getting a guy like Brandon Jordan, yes, there's the whole NFL thing and the recruiting hype and all that, but I do think it's a sign of Mel Tucker going, listen, why would I be a great defensive ends coach? Why would I learn or spend my time coaching defensive ends when instead I can spend my time going and getting the guy who's the best at coaching defensive ends? I think when the time comes with Scotty Hazleton, he's going to go, why would I be the defensive coordinator? Why would I try and improve my defensive game planning abilities? Why would I try and call the plays? 
when I can fire Scotty Hazleton, go out and get the next best defensive coordinator, right? I think that's what Mel Tucker will do. Lord knows. And here's the thing with Mel. Here's how we're going to find out if this will be the real deal or not, if he does something like that. Because I said it last week, and I'll say it again this week, and I'll keep fucking saying it until this defense can string together like three games where they hold their opponents under, I don't know, like 400 yards. Mel Tucker, or Nick Saban rather, is not keeping a guy around at Alabama who's in charge of a defense that happens to be one of the worst in the country. Nick Saban would have fired Scotty Hazleton after last season. Nick Hazel, Nick Saban would have fired Scotty Hazleton after that Washington game. Nick Saban would have fired Scotty Hazleton after the Minnesota game. Nick Saban probably would have just fired Scotty Hazleton for the hell of it after Maryland this past week. If Mel Tucker gets to the end of this year and we keep getting the same old death by inches, we're so close to being good bullshit, and he retains Scotty Hazleton, that will be the day where I start to have some problems. That will be the day where I start to look around going, oh, Mel, you didn't actually pull a fast one on us, did you? Because right now all these people are going to make the $95 million jokes. Anybody saying there's people out there going, this $95 million Mel Tucker contract is the worst contract in college football. Those people are fucking idiots. You, I, I just, it's so early in Mel Tucker's tenure. People go, and he has recruiting classes. No, he doesn't, bro. He came here, one recruiting class was signed, sealed, and delivered. All he did was show up. He didn't do anything. He didn't recruit anybody. And his next recruiting class, technically his first real recruiting class, like over half the cycle, he just had to do through Zoom anyway. This first, this class, 2022, this is the first class where it's actually been Mel Tucker recruiting these guys. Or is it 2023? Because 2022 kids are all freshmen, right? This 2023 class is the first recruiting class where it's been Mel Tucker the entire time in person, none of the Zoom bullshit. It's been Mel Tucker identifying his guys from the very beginning of the recruiting cycle and pitching them in person to the best of his abilities on Michigan State. That's this class, 2023, currently sitting at 23rd overall. Once Mel Tucker gets his guys in, if that day comes where we now we have four stars, now our juniors, now our seniors, our starters are across the board, you're, it's tough to find a three-star. When that day comes, if we're still two and three going into Ohio State, then we can talk about it being a bad contract. When those days come, if we're still getting embarrassed by Minnesota, then we can talk about it. Because here's the thing. Year one was a wash. I don't, that, it hardly even counts as year one. Mel Tucker showed up and the season started. He goes, okay, I don't know. I can't even practice in person with my team, but I guess I'll coach them this year. I, it's just brutal, 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 brutal season for Mel Tucker. Year two, we are supposed to be the worst team in the Big Ten. We won 11 games. Kenneth Walker, generational, I understand. People are now moving goalposts on Michigan State. Like last season, we it was always supposed to go the way it did. We were supposed to be the worst team in the Big Ten last year. We won 11 games. We beat Michigan. We beat Penn State. We beat Miami in Miami. We were supposed to be the worst team in the Big Ten. Okay? This season, I think most people would have said, you're crazy if you told them we are, we would be where we are right now. But this season was never supposed to be win 11 games, 
go to Indianapolis and win the Big Ten. The day Mel Tucker was hired, if you asked him about the year 2022, the fan base, eh, people would have probably been like, I don't know, could we win like seven games, eight games? That would have been the hope. That would have been the hope. Are we going to achieve that? Probably not. Not the way that we, this team looks. But nobody would have been going, dude, if we're not winning 10, 11 games by year three, we got problems. This is another year where we're supposed to be bad. This was never supposed to be this year. Last year was never supposed to be the year. Kenneth Walker boosted us. The defense, even though they still sucked, was better. That's a fact. The defense was better. The offense was worlds better. Peyton Thorne was infinitely better. And we won some games. It still was not supposed to be the year. Hey, shit happened. Things went right. Mel Tucker got some good guys in. We won 11. A lot of those guys left. A lot of their replacements are D'Antonio, darkest of the dark day era recruits, the 924th player from Illinois somewhere. He's just not going to get it done to some level. I do think the talent thing at some point, while I do, I am going to hear Mel Tucker out, out on it the entire way. The talent thing, I do believe at some point is kind of a cop-out because again, is Minnesota that much more talented than you? I have a hard time believing that. Is Maryland that much more talented than you? Hard time believing that. At some point, that shit's going to come to pass. But right now, I'm not pushing the alarm on Mel Tucker. I want changes to be made. I guess, you know, if he wants to hold off on firing Scotty till the end of the season, fine. The season's a wash anyway, so who gives a fuck? But changes need to be made. The thing that's also driving me nuts is the lack of improvement on defense. I guess they only gave up six points in the second half to Maryland. So there's an improvement within the game. Certainly the best half of defensive football MSU's played since Akron, but now I need to see it against Ohio state. If Ohio state lights us up for 70, which it's probable, which everybody and their grandmothers will be predicting it. We're going to be right back to square one, get rid of Hazleton, freaking out, non-competitive, all that bullshit. Getting embarrassed is not okay. I don't care if it's year one, year two, year three. I don't give a fuck how little talent's on the team. I don't care where we're supposed to be in the Big Ten standings. Getting embarrassed is never okay. Do I think it means that he's the worst contract ever? Do I think it means we should move on from Mel Tucker? No, you're an idiot if you think that. But getting embarrassed does not fly. I just don't know what to say about the team anymore. Um, the offense sucks. The defense sucks. Peyton Thorne's horrible. I don't want to watch him again for the rest of the season. Mel Tucker and Scotty Hazleton and their lack of adjustments defensively make me want to throw up in my fucking mouth every single week. The defense is garbage. Our secondary is garbage. Our front four is garbage. Cal Halliday's fine. I don't know. That's it. Jaden Reed now. Like, we're at the point where Jaden Reed's dropping passes. Like, when you get to that point, you're fucked. Quick break. I can't talk about MSU anymore. Um, so let's move on to a brighter subject, the fucking Lions. Woohoo! Quick break. The Lions get worked by the Seattle Seahawks. You like my Mariners hat? I, I forgot. I never addressed this this episode. For anybody who's out there like, dude, you're a, you're a Detroit fan. What are you wearing a Mariners hat for? Hey, bro. Hey, kid. Go do your homework, first off. Secondly, I was in Seattle. I went for the Michigan State game. Spent three days in the city. It was fucking awesome. I love Seattle. I had a great time. I was there, and I was like, hmm, 
it'd be cool to get something in Seattle. It'd be cool to commemorate this trip to Seattle. I had such a great time with my friends and in the city. I'd like something that when I look at it, when I wear it, when I see it, I can go, oh, that was a fun Seattle trip minus the football game. And you know what else I happen to like? I really enjoy baseball caps. I wear hats a lot. As a matter of fact, a lot of the same people probably watching this right now have commented on my videos and been like, hey, man, where'd you get that hat? Whether it's a Michigan State hat, the cursive one, whether it's the Detroit one with the Red Wing and Tiger logo merge. A lot of people, you've probably seen me wear a hat and you've probably commented going, where'd you get it? Well, guess what? When I was in Seattle and I thought about that souvenir and I thought about the fact that I really like hats and I really like wearing them, I go, the Mariners are on a hot streak. They're pushing for their first playoff appearance since I was born. Not that I'm a Mariners fan or anything, but it'd be cool, get this, to get a Mariners hat. That'd be a cool thing to have to commemorate my trip. So now when I see the Mariners hat on my desk or I wear the Mariners hat, I'm like, oh shit, that was, remember that trip? That was fun. Not to mention, I just like the hat. It could not mean anything with anything to do with anything, with anything to Seattle. It could just be an S with a compass and a baseball through it and not be affiliated with any place on the geographic earth. I just like how it looks. I like the navy. I like the teal trim. I like the white. I like the red. I think the S with the baseball and the compass is cool. I just think it's a cool looking hat. So if you're sitting there going, dude, what are you doing wearing a Seattle hat? Andy, I got a friend, Andy, gives me shit. I'm like, bro, I'm wearing a baseball cap. I have like 50 hats. You think every single one is either a Detroit or an MSU hat? You're on drugs if you think that's the case. Every time I go somewhere, I'm like, be cool to get a hat. I moved to LA within like a month. I had a Los Angeles hat. It's blue. It's white. It's not a Dodgers hat. It's Dodgers colors, but it looks sick. I saw it and I was like, that's fucking sweet. I live here now. I'm going to get that. I was in Washington, DC when I was in eighth grade. I went to the mall. They had a lids at the mall, like every mall does. And I went in there. I saw a gray cap, dark blue brim, red nationals logo. And I go, that'd be cool. I'm going to get a nationals hat. That's just, I did. I just get hats. I just get hats. Saw Florida Marlins hat on sale a couple summers ago. Saw it on the internet. Teal cap, black brim, the old F with the Marlin, like bending around the F logo. And I was like, dude, that's a sick fucking hat. I'm not a Marlins fan. Nobody on earth is a Marlins fan. But I was like, that's a cool hat. I like hats. I'm going to get that hat. I have an Atlanta Braves hat. Never been to Truist Park, been outside it, been to the battery, never been to a Braves game, don't care about the Braves, haven't watched a single pitch of Atlanta Braves baseball this year. But you know what I do like? Their hat. I love how clean it is. I love how simple it is. I love their colorway. I love how if I rep, I don't know, like a pair of blue jeans and like a dark blue shirt, I throw the Braves hat on and I'm like, God damn it, this is a perfect synchronization of colors. And I don't need to get a haircut for another two months. What a beautiful thing. That's why I have the hats. So anybody, oh, what are you wearing a Mariners hat for? You're jumping on the bandwagon right before the playoffs? Yeah, I'm jumping on the bandwagon before the playoffs. Have you heard of the Detroit Tigers? They're the biggest joke in North American sports. And I'm about to talk about the Detroit Lions. So yeah, I hope the Mariners win it all. Am I going to watch every game? No. Am I going to go to Seattle and party? No, but I'd like to. Am I going to be devastated if they lose? No. Do I kind of want the Mariners to win? Yeah, I do. Because I like Seattle. The people there were cool. 
It was a sick fucking town. The Mariners haven't been good in like 30 years. They have a sweet rookie, Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool for the Mariners to win one. Now I have this sweet hat on top of everything. Oh, and by the way, the team that I do root for, the team that I did grow up loving, the Detroit Tigers, have been irrelevant since I was in college. So yeah, sue me. I'm wearing a Mariners hat because I like the hat and I was in Seattle and I decided to buy it. Fucking losers. I can't believe, dude. Uh, I, I don't even know what it was. I think I posted an Instagram I, when I was in Seattle. When I was in Seattle, naturally, we're taking pictures. Got back, had to hit the Insta, you know what I'm saying? See if any ladies are going to bite on the DMs. None did because they never do. But I got one of my buddies in the comments going, damn, now you're repping the Mariners. I'm like, dude, you think I'm going to go spend a long weekend in Seattle, have a great time, and not buy a hat? Like, you go to Seattle and you buy a replica of the Space Needle made out of toothpicks. That's sweet. Good for you. I don't know what the fuck you're going to do with it. I don't know where you're going to put it. But that's great. That's your thing. I go to Seattle and I'm like, I'm going to just buy a Mariner's hat. That'll be my thing. You could have your toothpick Space Needle. I'll take the Mariner's hat that I'm actually going to use. Everybody's got their thing. You can have that postcard that you're going to stuff in your backpack and never see again after you leave that gift shop. I'm going to buy the hat that I'll wear, I don't know, probably once, twice a month. And even when I'm not wearing it, I'm pretty lazy. So I'll probably just leave it out on a counter or on a table and walk by it and go, it's a fucking cool hat. Sue me. That's just, I, I like hats. Okay. Can we talk about the Lions now, please? God, I sound like a broken record when it comes to football in this state. God damn it. I mean, we know the tale, right? If you watch the Lions game, Geno Smith eviscerated us. And it, the way the Detroit Lions have the uncanny ability to make subpar quarterbacks look like the greatest show on turf every time they fucking face one is unbelievable to me. It's not just Dan Campbell. It's not just this year. It's not just last year. Matt Patricia was doing it with Mitch Trubisky and the Bears every single week. All we heard, Mitch Trubisky blows. Bears fans hating on Matt Nagy for taking him. Little do you know, Matt Nagy worked in Chicago for four years because he got to play the Lions twice a year. He'd pull up to Ford Field. The Honolulu Blue would come to Soldier, and he'd go, Mitch, I don't know what it is, but I got a funny feeling you're about to have the best game of your fucking life today against the Detroit Lions. And sure enough, every single time we saw a good old Mitch Trubisky, he lit us the fuck up, and he just lost his job to a rookie in Pittsburgh in week four. Go figure. The fact that that trait has seemingly carried over to the Dan Campbell regime is unfortunate. Um, a trait I wish hadn't carried over. It sucks going into a game like this week against the Seattle Seahawks where you know Geno Smith's their quarterback. You know they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. You know Geno Smith sucks ass. And he comes into your place. They score 48 of as a team, and Geno Smith and his offense put up 41 of those. I I I just don't have words for that. Honestly. I like I just what do I what do you want me to say? Fire Aaron Glenn. All right, great. Fire Aaron Glenn. Add more talent to the defense. This draft, Brad Holmes, only draft defensive players. All right. I like well, I don't know. Our defense fucking sucks. What do you want me to say? Our defense sucks. Aaron Glenn does nothing about it, apparently. You know what the worst part is? 
They got torched by the Eagles week one, and it was like, all right, fine. Jalen Hurts, that offense, A.J. Brown, those dudes are lethal, and they've been lighting everybody up that they've played. So it's like, all right, you're going to play nuts offenses. We know we don't have a great defense. This defense, I, I'm i not asking for Aaron Glenn and Dan Campbell to put their minds together and figure out how to make this defense a top 10 unit in the league. I'm asking you to be like 22nd. I'm asking you to just be not the worst. That's all. Just don't be the worst. That doesn't feel like a whole lot to ask. And I know there's not a ton of talent on the defense. You still have Aiden Hutchinson. You still have Charles Harris. Still have Jeff Okuda. Malcolm Rodriguez has been great. There's still a couple guys out there. You have a ton of cap space. You could have made moves. You could have added to the defense if you wanted to. They didn't, and it probably made sense. Again, similar to Michigan State. This year for the Lions wasn't supposed to be win 11 games, make the playoffs, win a playoff game. It was not supposed to be that. Most people, I think the Vegas line was like six and a half coming into this year. It was supposed to be be pretty mediocre, maybe draft a quarterback, maybe don't. Use those draft picks. Use those two first-round picks. Maybe throw some money around in free agency, bolster the team. And then in year three, next year, go try and win every single fucking game you play. That's where the Lions are at. That's where we were coming into this season. But what happened was we saw this team play week one. We got the hard knocks hype. All of the offseason hype, the Motor City Dan Campbell hype. We heard about all the offensive line and how we were going to run the ball. And then we played Philly, and they did torch us, but we kind of torched them. It was a game where we were down early, down big early, had infinite chances to just roll over and die and say, you know what, Jalen Hurts, you know what, Philly, kick the fuck out of us, embarrass us in our own building, blow us out, let's everybody go home. Had the chance to make that game one of those. Didn't. Fought back. Scored a bunch in the second half. Got a couple stops in the fourth quarter. Jared Goff came alive. DeAndre Swift was the man. Ended up losing, but we fought back. We scored a lot of points. Offense looked pretty good. Week two comes around. All of a sudden, we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. Carson Wentz sucks. The Washington Commanders aren't very good. It's at Ford Field. We should win the game. We go out, score a lot of points. Defense is pretty good in the first half. Yeah, they give up some points in the second half, primarily the fourth quarter. But you can kind of look back and go, all right, well, we were up. You know, we kind of took the foot off the gas. They came back a little bit. Whatever. Shit happens. Be more aggressive. One and one. Feeling good. Offense is humming through two. Go to Minnesota. Kirk Cousins coming off an ass beating against those very same Eagles. We're in control of the game. We're leading. We're dominating time of possession. It feels like the Lions are the better team for majority of the game. The fourth quarter comes around. Dan Campbell pisses down his leg, burns a couple timeouts. Jared Goff, the offense stall a few times. All of a sudden, the defense couldn't stop Kirk Cousins and the Vikings if their fucking lives depended on it. We're calling offense like we have a 70-point lead, even though it's a one-possession game with like eight minutes left. We end up losing the game. Bummer. Bummer. People are angry. Horrible clock management. Horrible aggression and going for it on fourth down versus not going it on fourth down. Horrible defensive play calling. Horrible aggression on that side of the ball as well, just being so conservative, sitting back, letting Kirk Cousins do whatever you want to you, and you lose. You blow the game. You blow the lead. A game you should have won, a divisional game in Minnesota, a game that you had in your clutches, and it stings to let slip out. You lose it. Okay, people are a little angry. People are a little annoyed. People are upset with the defense, not being able to get one goddamn stop to save their lives that entire second half. But okay, you know, you were probably never supposed to win that game. Shit happens. Dan fucked up with the timeouts. But hey, 
This is the one. This is the one. He went for it when he shouldn't have gone for it. Kicked the onside maybe when he shouldn't have. Or no, that was Philly. Um, Kicked the field goal when he shouldn't have. Didn't go for it when he should have gone for it. All right. Dan comes out. He says, I hate my decision there. I regret it. That won't happen again. Okay, Dan. That's the one. We'll give you that one. Still early. It's week three. We're one and two. We'll give you that one. Happens. Don't let it happen again. We'll give you that one. Fortunately, Dan, the next three games are cupcakes. Seattle, New England, Dallas, three teams that are not very good. Three teams that I believe the Lions are capable of beating all of them, especially the Seahawks, probably the worst of the three at home. Ford Field, it's going to be loud. People are going to be excited. You're one and two. Everyone wants to see you get back to two and two. Then you got the Pats. Then you got the Cowboys. Winnable fucking games. Four and two is not that crazy of a thing to say. Go beat Geno Smith. Go beat the Seattle Seahawks. They're one of the worst teams in the league. You guys look pretty good. We moved the ball on everybody. Surely we'll move the ball on the Seahawks. The defense, although it's not been great, they were good enough against Washington. They were maybe good enough against the Vikings until the very end, right? I think the offense had something to do with that Vikings loss just as far as being conservative, but I digress. Go out, beat the Seahawks. You play the Seahawks Sunday. Geno fucking Smith at home in front of that crowd, and you let Geno Smith go 23 for 30 for 320 yards and two touchdowns. Rashad Penny, 17 carries for 151 yards, two touchdowns. Geno, seven carries for 49 yards and a touchdown. Kenneth Walker has 30 on the ground. Eskridge has six on the ground. DK Metcalf burns you all day, and you lose 48 to 45. 48 to 45. And you know what the saddest part is? Amon Ross St. Brown out. DeAndre Swift out. DJ Chark out. Some of your big playmakers didn't play. People are probably more nervous about shit. The offense has been great, but we're missing three of our big time guys. Are we going to be able to score? We put up 45 fucking points without two of our best players in Amon Ron Swift and another key player in Shark. Put up 45. And we lost the game. You should never in 10 million years put up 45 points and lose the game. The fucked up thing is, Seattle is looking around this week. Pete Carroll, their fans are probably looking around today going, we got to fire the fucking defensive coordinator. This guy stinks. We just gave up 45 points to the Lions. You give up 45 points to anybody in the NFL. That's a horrible job. 45 in the NFL is nuts. If you give up over 30 in the league, your defense got torched. 45? They're probably talking about firing their defensive coordinator. And our defense is so fucking bad, they still won that game. Seattle's upset. Fans are probably talking about firing their defensive coordinator, and they still won the game. That's pathetic. Jared Goff, 26 for 39 for 378 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. And we lost the game. That is fucking mind-boggling. We have the best offense in the NFL, and we're one and three. I, I, again, it's similar to Michigan State. That was the fourth game. It's the fourth time we've seen the exact same bullshit. I don't know what there is to say at this point. The defense sucks. Aaron Glenn cannot figure out what he needs to call to get them to perform. 
I'm not, again, I'm not saying that this defense is caked up with talent and we should be shutting teams like anybody. Forget the Seahawks. We should be shutting anybody out. I'm not saying that that's the case. What I am saying is, instead of being the 32nd defense in the league, I think we have enough talent to be like 26th. Because if we were the 26th ranked defense in the NFL, we'd be 3-1. and one. We probably lose that game to Philly. We still beat Washington. We probably beat Minnesota last week, and we beat Seattle this week. If we're just anything but the worst defense in the NFL, we're probably 3-1 and one right now. Those are the facts. As long as we don't have the worst, we could have the second to worst defense in the league. We're probably three and one. We have the worst defense in the NFL. Ben Johnson's doing his job. God damn, is he doing it? Jared Goff's doing a hell of a job. The offensive lines lived up to the hype. Swift and Jamal Williams are, are the beneficiaries. The wide receiving cores looked great. We're one and three. We're scoring the most points in the NFL. We're one and three. Can't find a fucking kicker, believe it or not. It's the NFL. I played with two kids in high school better than anything the Detroit Lions trot out there to take extra points. That's fucking pathetic. That's on Dan Campbell. That's a joke. Find a fucking kicker, dude. It can't be that hard. Go to the local high school. Go to Cast Tech. Ask who plays striker. Tell them to come suit up for the Detroit Lions once a week. Can't be that fucking hard. I promise you. And Aaron Glenn just does nothing to improve the defense. We sit back, we let guys like Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith sit back in the pocket. We give them all day. And yeah, they're not the best. Kirk Cousins is solid. He's no world beater. Carson Wentz isn't very good. Jalen Hurts is good, granted. But Geno Smith's no good. Journeyman hasn't started much at all in his career. We let him sit back there. And these guys all, one by one, one after another, without fail, look like fucking surgeons of the football field. They look like Tom Brady's brain in somebody else's body. Is that a coincidence that it happens for all of these guys when they play the Lions? Is that a coincidence? The Bears, for instance, they haven't been able to score a touchdown for the lives of them. Everybody in Chicago talking about is Justin Fields the guy He's showing some bad signs. If the Bears play Detroit this year, we don't play them until November 13th. If that first game, Justin Fields breaks out and has 300 yards and three touchdowns, I'm going to lose my fucking mind on Aaron Glenn. Because here's the thing. I'm not an X's and O's guy. Never been a defensive coordinator. If you gave me a Madden playbook, I will call more successful defense than Aaron Glenn. It really can't be that hard to do. It really can't be. There's a reason Seattle's going to win like two more games all season long. They're fucking bad. Every other defensive coordinator in the NFL knows exactly how to call defense to stop Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. All of them know what to do. And they're going to do it. And Seattle's going to finish the season 4-13. and 13. But they hung 48 on us. What the fuck? Is what's the deal? We don't get pressure on the quarterback. We rush for guys like Aiden Hutchinson, Charles Harris, who are supposed to deliver. Don't do anything when we rush for. We sit back. He has all day. Amanu Oruwari, he's been fucking dog water all year. He doesn't get it done. They move it down the field. DK Metcalf has a field day. We give up 48 points. We rush for Alex Anzalone stinks. Malcolm Rodriguez is our only fucking hope. 
outside of the front four to make a tackle in the run game. Rashad Penny gashes us. Every time we need a third down stop, Rashad Penny gashes us. We give up 48 points to the Seattle goddamn Seahawks. I mentioned it with MSU. How many times in that Lions game was there a big third down? Just get one stop. Third and five, third and 10, third and 16. How many times did Seattle take a penalty to set them back? Second and 20, first and 20, first and 25, where they get behind the chains and it's like, okay, this is the ideal moment for a stop. And they get all that penalty yardage right back in the first play. Third and five, get a big stop. Third and 16, this is the game. We get the ball back, we'll go down, we'll score, we'll win. One fucking stop, that's all we ask. They haven't punted all day. Rashad Penny, 40-yard touchdown. Every single time the Lions are on the precipice, every single time they get to that moment where they just need one play, one play, and we got this thing, they fail to make it. Not only do they fail to make that one play, they go the whole opposite end of the spectrum and they give up a massive back-breaking touchdown. It's fucking pathetic is what it is. It's fucking pathetic. Dan Campbell seems to believe in Aaron Glenn. At least that's what he said after the or, uh, after the game. He believes Aaron Glenn's the man for the job. He believes they'll figure it out. I hope you're right, Dan, because he's been fucking horrible. It's unacceptable. I know you're an offensive guy, but you, Mel Tucker, you're the CEOs. You have a guy on your staff who cannot do what he's supposed to do. It's not a charity case. It's not hanging out with your buddies. It's not you're the defensive coordinator because, I don't know, I felt bad for you. It's you're the defensive coordinator because you know how to call defense to stop the other team. Aaron Glenn can't get it done. He didn't get it done last year. You added a second overall pick. He still can't get it done. He still hasn't made adjustments. He still lets quarterbacks sit back all day and pick us apart, even though that was the same bullshit that caused us to lose games with Matt Patricia, the same bullshit that caused us to lose games last year, the same bullshit that has cost us games this year and nearly cost us that Washington game. And yet in week four, again, against a dog water quarterback and Geno Smith, he does it again. Let's him sit back all day. Doesn't pressure him. Doesn't send blitzes when he needs to. Geno Smith picks us apart. We give up 48. We lose. I don't know, man. I'm sick of it. I love the lions. I love sports, but like, I don't know. I just don't. Like, I can't come on here every single week and talk about how bad Michigan State's defense is, how bad the Lions' defense is, how bad the coordinators are, how bad the lack of adjustment from the coaching staff is. I can't do it every week. Like, like it is what it is, dude. You know what I'm going to say. If you watch the game, you know exactly what the fuck I'm going to say. It's not like we're losing in different ways. We've been losing the same exact way since Matt Patricia's first game because we can't play fucking defense because we don't pressure the quarterback. I know there's this whole thing going on with Aiden Hutchinson, like Michigan fans versus MSU fans. Fuck that. I don't know why anybody cares where he went to school. Aiden Hutchinson, I haven't heard his name called since Washington. I saw some stats that it's like, oh, he's leading the league in rookie pressures. Okay, that's great. Oh, he's getting to the quarterback like 10th overall from rush ends. Okay, great. I didn't see him do anything yesterday. The stats might might support him that, oh, he's pressuring the quarterback at a 42% rate. Is he? I didn't hear his name called one time. I remember him making one tackle. He tackled Rashad Penny for no loss. Good play, dude. You were the second overall pick. We need you to get a sack here and there. We need you to hit Geno Smith as he throws the ball here and there. Like, we need to be able to rush for and apply a little bit of pressure here and there. Ah. And I don't want to single out Aiden Hutchinson. I know I'm an MSU guy. He's a Michigan guy. Dude, I want Aiden Hutchinson to make people forget Lawrence Taylor ever existed. I want this dude to be a Hall of Famer while he's still in the league. Do you understand? 
plain and simple, the facts are, I don't care what stat you want to dig up. I've watched four games of Lions football. He's been a factor in one of them. He was getting after Jalen Hurts in the Eagles game. I'll give you that. He had a few sacks, three, I think, against Washington. Great fucking game, Aiden. The last two weeks, I haven't heard him. I haven't seen him do anything. He's made zero impact plays the last two weeks against Minnesota and against Seattle. Zero impact plays. You'd have no clue the second overall pick played for the Detroit Lions. And if you had to guess who it was, you'd guess it was Malcolm Rodriguez. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. And Aaron Glenn, if you know that's the case, after the fourth game and the millionth fucking time in a passing down when you've rushed four and you've sat back and the other team's quarterback has picked you apart for a first down or more, how about you send a goddamn blitz, dude? I don't know how that's so hard for opposing coordinator or for defensive coordinators to figure out. Feels like it happens with MSU too. We just don't get pressure. The secondary sucks. MSU doesn't get pressured. Other teams quarterback roasts us. Lions, same bullshit. We don't get pressure with four. For some reason, we still do it. We sit back. Other teams QB roasts us. And nobody changes it. Scotty Hazelton doesn't want to change it. He doesn't want to blitz. God forbid. Aaron Glenn doesn't want to change it. He doesn't want to blitz more than three times a fucking game. Aren't there defensive coordinators in the NFL who just blitz always? Like Dick LeBeau. Isn't Dick LeBeau a guy who's like, fuck it, we're going to just send heat every play, and if we get – we'll go down swinging. I'd rather have Geno Smith make a throw while he's taking a helmet to the rib cage and beat us that way than have him make a throw where he's standing there with nobody within three yards of him and beat us that way. Yeah, let's go down swinging. Why do no defensive coordinators – I'm fine with let's try it out. Like Aaron Glenn, I'm cool with through week three, through week four. All right, let's try it out. Let's see if we can rush four. Let's see if Hutch, Harris, let's see if those guys are good enough. Let's see if we can get some pressure with the most number of guys we can sit back in coverage. Okay, I'm down. Let's give it a try. Okay, here we are. You did the same bullshit last year, by the way, and it didn't work, but fine. Let's try it. We're in week four. You just got toasted by Geno Smith. Sitting back does not fucking work. Send pressure. Passing downs, inexperienced QBs, just not very good QBs like Geno Smith who will get flustered under pressure, who will make shittier throws and poor decisions under pressure. Fucking send the house. Same with you, Scotty Hazleton, but God damn it. I, it's just so frustrating. It's the same thing every week. Meanwhile, we're just wasting the best offense in the NFL. Meanwhile, Jared Goff is playing out of his mind, and it's just for naught. I can't believe I logged into Twitter today, and I see people talking about Jared Goff like not being the guy. Jared Goff, oh, it's okay. It's a good. We need to get a quarterback anyway. Jared Goff is mid or whatever people are saying. Bro, if you've watched the Lions for four weeks this year and you have any thought about Jared Goff not being the guy, if you're like, Jared Goff, Jared Goff, if Jared Goff is in your top, like, ten reasons of why the season's going the way that it is, you are. what are you talking about? You don't know anything. You need to watch the game. Jared Goff is the last thing from the problem. The guy's been unbelievable. I'm not even a Jared Goff guy. Coming into the year, he was the one reason I was like, yeah, I don't know how well we'll do. He's been lights out. Now I'm sitting here coming in. I was like, let's get Bryce Young. Now through four weeks, I'm like, dude, I don't know if we really even need to move on from Goff, at least not yet. This dude's been fucking incredible. And yeah, the offensive line gives him time and he's got some nice toys to work with. But shit, everybody needs something. Pat Mahomes isn't working with garbage. He had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey for quite a while there. You remember that? He didn't do it all by himself. 
yeah, Jared Goff's not Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes had some help. Not not a bad thing to have help. Jared Goff's been good. If you think he's the problem, you watch that game, you watch us give up 48, 41 to Geno Smith in that offense, and you're running to Twitter, you're running wherever, you're talking to your friends in the group chat, and you're even mentioning Jared Goff. That's like the first half hour of the conversation, Jared Goff comes up. You're an idiot. He's been great. So shout out to Jared Goff. Keep balling, buddy. Oh, I'm so sick of my four favorite sports teams being the worst. I don't know. It'll be interesting. We're going to do an up, another episode Thursday, but I, I've like officially entered the apathetic stage. I've officially hit the point where I'm just like Michigan State, Lions, whatever. Get back to 500 and then I guess, yeah, I'll, I'll get back in. I'll watch the games. I know I'm Mr. Positive. I know I'm Mr. Rally the Troops, but I don't know. All right, that's all I got. Um secondstring.com they're not on sale yet but look how fucking fire this is let me stand up let me stand up real quick are you kidding me dude look how fire that is that's going to go on sale in october some point we got new stuff coming this weekend new stuff coming this week follow the second string on instagram so you don't miss any of the drops appreciate everybody who supported the teals are officially gone forever appreciate everyone who supported on that who supports the podcast all of that good stuff love you guys see you next week or see you thursday see you thursday my bad